Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi and welcome to 49 Unbeaten, the official Arsenal Babble podcast. Uh, we're back again. Uh, we've got uh, a little bit of time for an Everton kind of reflection, reaction. Um, not that really we really want to react to it too much, but um, we've also got to talk about the important protesting that happened down at the Emirates Stadium. Um, joined by Ben as usual, and we've got Jack on. Uh, Jack was at the protest, so uh, welcome back, boys. Good to have you both on again. Um, so just kind of starting off with the protest, Jack, you were there. Uh, just kind of like, what what did you make of it overall? And first of all, like, what would you say your personal intentions for going to this uh, protest were? Uh, personal intentions, I just wanted to be there, accountable as, an, as another another head. I think it was important to get as many people down down there as possible because obviously the more the vo- more people there, the more voices heard, the more Stan Kroenke hopefully notices it. Whether he did or not, I'm sure he's been told by by someone. I'm sure he wasn't watching it firsthand, but. I think it was just important to reiterate the message that we want Stan Kroenke out. So um, no, it was it was really good. I, I was um, I thought that it was it was good that it was it was a peaceful protest, but the, the the sort of the fire and the hunger of the fans was there to be heard, and you know the the message was clear. So it was great to see the fan involvement there with the. Um... There, there were fireworks at some points, there were flares throughout. It's it's nice to see kind of, there weren't necessarily rules and obviously we're in still in a global pandemic and it's a, a difficult, sensitive moment, but kind of, I guess, to see that sense of normality coming back must have brought back memories of going back to grounds and stuff. But Ben, what would you, would you say you were in support of this protest? Uh, no, I, I wholeheartedly support the concept of protesting and also the the protest the reasons for protesting yesterday um what i think it achieved is you know very debatable but it was it was good to see you know three i think i think the guardian was saying there was three thousand gunners there um i know josh 
who normally hosts the podcast was saying there's over a thousand. You know, there's it was nice to see plenty plenty of support for Arsenal and plenty of high profile support as well. Um, I don't know if the rumours of Jack Wilshire actually going ever were ever true, but um, obviously Ian Wright's been quite vocal um, so far since uh, the ESL broke down about Cronky leaving. Um, and there's a lot of people, journalists as well, I think Charles Watts and Chris Wheatley, who tend to be pretty pro-Arsenal because it's their job. There's been a lot of Cronky out um, from them, which is, it's good to see that the movement is becoming, it's almost working its way up hierarchies. So, you know, Wrighty is obviously a huge part of Arsenal Football Club, mm-hmm. both as a brand and also with the North London connection. Um, he was obviously, he was in the Cadbury's advert for Arsenal um, there was that oh, I can't remember which summer it was do you remember there was a time we were planning on signing we thought we were going to sign someone and the announcement was actually Ian Wright I think it must have been last <laughs> summer doing a Cadbury's advert where he sat yeah. down at like one of the Islington pubs um, with Arsenal so that was that was one of the um, that's one of the big things you know getting a big not figurehead but someone who really supports the cause who is deeply entrenched in both Arsenal fans uh, mentality and also Arsenal Football Club He's also an employee of Arsenal Football Club. And to be slating off, well, to be saying you want the, 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 the guy that effectively pays your wages, obviously we don't know the ins and outs of his details, but to be saying I want you gone is, I don't think as many fans fully appreciate how massive that is coming from mm. someone like him. And he's got a massive platform as well. And I think if that was anyone else, like you've had certain people working for Arsenal over the years, like Poet, you've had... Um, You've got like more, more recently Michael Timms. You've got if someone like that said Cronky out, I feel like they would very much very quickly be pushed off their job. But because it's Ian Wright, because he's had the career he's got, he's got that relationship with the fans, with the players. I don't think it's as easy as that. Um, but with with the protests happening, I think I think Josh Cronky would definitely have seen it going on. I think because he he claims to watch every game. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Stan didn't watch the game. But um, I don't know if you guys saw as well. Um, there was an interesting clip on Sky Sports saying that um, one of the owners of a big six club, and it wasn't actually said, but it said that um, one of the owners of a big six club went to the stadium, sat in the director's box and asked <laughs> the person next to him, which team are we? And he owns this club. And for me, I think obviously it's just speculation, but Stan Kroenke, I think that's got him written all over it. And I just think... For Kroenke, it is now the time to go because do you think it's just a coincidence that all of a sudden now these protests are happening? We start to hear people like Josh saying we have plans to invest this summer. It's difficult, isn't it? Because you could equally argue that the protests are only happening because of Arsenal's, you know, botched attempt to try and make it into some sort of European elite that we don't deserve to be in anymore. Mm. Um and also off the back of a season that has seen us, I think, more depressed than we've been in a long time as Arsenal fans. You know, it's been a, it's been a real slog getting through this season. And that's impressive based on how some of our previous... No two ways about it. Well, exactly. I thought last, or last season, you know, it can't get any worse. And this season, it's just, it's found new depths. And obviously, there's still the Europa League to play. But I think that if you're looking at this, this season and saying this club doesn't need investment, even before this then you're failing as an owner. So whether or not we think Josh is doing that, then you know that's, that's the real crux of the issue. So with the, with the actual protest chat, just kind of 
kind of paint the picture for some of us that might not have been able to see it and for some of our listening um, audience here what where was this protest exactly outside the ground roughly how many like how big were the crowds and what kind of like picture can you paint for these guys yeah so it, it, it was just it was just outside the club armory just the, the club shop um see that's sort of the front end of the stadium as you will um all, all, all along the stairs either side of the club armory uh along the obviously the the terrace or you can call it a, a, along there um and it, it, it was it was surprising well not surprisingly because i did expect a lot of people to turn up but it was pretty more than i thought um with a lot with a lot of people there um all wearing arsenal colors all all making their voice heard obviously lots of flares uh as you say fireworks as well just just um i think i think it was either just before the game kicked off or um it was just after we just had after the- wasn't it yeah um but yeah, the, I, I just think they were all there with the intentions to, to just make their voice heard. I think it will need, I, I, don't, I don't think it will solve anything immediately, but I think if we continue to make the point, um, and I think I think it could lead to a point where Cronky sells. I, I, think, I think what's interesting is obviously Arsenal are at their worst point in a while. I mean, there's no guarantee on European football at all next season. Um, and if it does get to that point, Arsenal are going to be still valuable, but not as valuable as we have been in previous seasons. So it may be a point where Cronky decides to cash in and just just cut his losses. I mean, I don't know how much he, w- he would have made or whether he's he's in a, a loss. But um, yes, yeah, certainly you, you could see him selling up this this summer or any time soon. Do you, do you think that there's some danger of hypocrisy from Arsenal fans and I know it's it's very difficult to separate Arsenal with your head from Arsenal with your heart um you know but you were saying about everyone in Arsenal colours etc etc do you think there's a danger of next season Adidas just bring out three brilliant kits and everyone's like yeah I'm buying all three of those and immediately Cronky goes yeah well thanks for protesting but you still spent you know what about 180 quid in the gut in the armory yeah Uh, that did that did run through my head as I as I put on my Arsenal kit um, to turn up, but but uh, for me my, my Arsenal kits from last season I, I didn't invest in one this season because I just as you say it's it is in the end turning up in in Cronky's bank account so um, yeah and there is an element of hypocrisy in it but I just think it was important to show that it's our club it's, it's our colours but it, it belongs to us and it's um, yeah it's, it's it's something you can't take away away from us. So obviously the the protest happened outside, made a massive thing thing about it on TV. You saw the the aerial shots of it. They said they could hear it from within the ground. Arteta acknowledged the fact that the protest was going on. He said he heard the fans. He understood like what like what they were trying to push. And he also said the players were made aware of why the fans were outside and for what reasons, which I respected quite highly of him coming out and saying because they could have just said ignore it, ignore it, but the fact that they made it say this is why the fans are outside this is what they're trying to push without giving an um, without giving him like a biased opinion on it I, I respect it quite highly but with all that going on um we did also have a game to play which did seem the side piece um which is which is a bit weird uh seeing as when we normally play games that's the main event but um this game happened it was Everton at the Emirates we lost one nil and it just again summed up a Oh, just under less than underwhelming. It's just a bitterly disappointing season, Ben. Like, 
like, can it get any worse? I mean, yeah, it can, but can it get any worse in the league? How how many times have we seen the exact replica of that game? We've gone, it's been pretty dull, pretty boring. Something goes wrong. Something goes against Arsenal, you know, a minuscule thing. Something goes for the other team, a minuscule thing, and you end up losing 2-1, 1-0, something like that. We're, we're just... Everyone's going to point to the Nicolas Pepe offside, of course, and, you know, the Richarlison corresponding offside. But we're just, we need to be better because we can't, we're, we're a side that's relying on this game after game. And admittedly, it is going against us. But if we're 2-0 up at that point, if we've actually started, you know, motoring like we did against Slavia Prague, they're irrelevant. You know, we look back and we go, oh, Nicolas Pepe was offside for the third goal. But, you know, Richarlison did pull one back, but we still won the game. That's, that's, that's where the, the issue lies and we're just not we're not good enough which is really weird because if you ask Arsenal fans most of them will say the individual parts of the system like bits of it are quite good you know Thomas Partey midfield Granit Xhaka in midfield you know he's divisive but when he's good he's good uh, Saka on the right Smith Rowe in the middle it just doesn't seem to click I think it feels like we've got our team of very good individuals that just struggle to play as a team unfortunately but um Jack, like, kind of putting you on the spot here, but do you think Mikel Arteta is trading on thin ice at the moment? Um, yes, yeah, simply yes, but I also think no. I, I mean, I think something maybe would have been done by now. If That's a diplomatic answer, <laughs> yeah. If, if 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 the club had any real intention, and I think, well, if, if if it was any other club, then I think he'd be gone. Obviously, Spurs have shown ruthlessness in getting rid of Mourinho a week uh, week before a cup final, and obviously we've got our semi-final so in similar circumstances I, I personally are still Arteta in because I just think there is a big mess around the club and I don't think you can totally place it all on him um but as, as you said it's, re- it's really weird why like why we didn't win that game Everton didn't play sensationally um and it, there's there I, I have this feeling that this squad is actually a decent squad like better than probably last couple of years obviously Aubameyang is not on form so that obviously doesn't help but obviously it's, it's, it's just really weird like I can't I can't put my finger on it for why we're so so bad this year obviously teams have bad results but then they pull it round but we're just not not doing that whatsoever we'll have a, a win a pick us up like the Europa League win obviously in the semis now but then you'll just you just draw to Fulham and lose to Everton no disrespect to either of them um Especially Everton, because Everton have shown they're a good side this year. But we 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 should have, on paper, beat that beat that side. I think still. Ben, do you think, think Arteta could be in danger? Like, or I see a lot of people say he, he's won us a trophy. He's won us two trophies, and he's a long term project. But at what point do you say, All right, enough's enough. He needs to go. I'm I'm with Jack. I think that the squad will go before Arteta goes. Um, I can't see a position I don't think I can see a position where Arteta leaves not least because the money to sack him will be too much mm-hmm. um, the you know the players he's brought in are very much set for him they're who we've who he's been going for um, and it, as, as Jack says he is a project he is there is a very very good coach in there but he's still sort of an unpolished diamond and that's not what Arsenal need right now that's the simple truth of it it is a case of wrong manager or sorry right manager wrong time and we're 
struggling through this period, but it is, you know, I was saying back in January, it almost feels like a season where you'd love Arsene Wenger to come back for six months, sort this team out, and then let oh, Arteta oh, loose oh, in the transfer window. Take it easy, take it easy. Yeah, no, 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 yeah, no I hear your point. I hear your point. I'm just, just, trying to be, just trying to be a devil's advocate here, just to try and, just to show the other side to it. But like, if I put a scenario to you and say, if Mikel Arteta, if we, if we get knocked out by Villarreal and we finish in 10th position, do you still see him in the job next season at the start of next season? I think it's difficult because I'd like to see him in a job. And I think there's a lot that's conspired against him this season, not least with, you know, we're missing Kieran Tierney. Um, I mean, you read through our injury list. We've got Kieran Tierney missing. Um, we've got David Luiz, who's a much bigger factor, I think, than a lot of Arsenal fans realise. Granit Xhaka has now left our midfield and is now playing at left back for God knows what reason. Um Lacazette. Bamiang Lacazette have been well. Bamiang's the key issue with Bamiang is he's just not been firing this season, has he? You look at you look at someone like Spurs and they sack Mourinho because they, it, sorry, in spite of the fact that Harry Kane was still keeping them going. You know, I think I read a stat that without him they'd be seventeenth. If you took away all of his goal contributions, mm. um, and they he Jose Mourinho just ruined the culture around the club. You know, everyone seemed to want him out. I was reading on the Athletic, um, but with Arteta everyone seems to be sort of buying into a process. And I think it's, I think for a lot of it, it's just desperation at this point for Arsenal fans. We want something to hold on to. I see it similar in some ways to the Frank Lampard situation. Obviously, Lampard being removed from his job as of about a month ago now. And it's, I just see it similar because could it be a case of like, right manager, wrong time, like you said. I know David Ornstein said a lot that everyone around Arsenal and European football does believe Mikel Arteta has got it within him to be one of the best coaches in, in European football one day. And I, I agree with them. I see it within him too. But obviously this is his first coaching job. And we, we're just going to have to wait and see with this one. It's a, it, it is, it is a like weird, weird scenario to have a guy come in and manage our football club that had never had any kind of first team managerial role before. Like he, he played number two to Pep. But um yeah, it's it's just going to be interesting. We just have to wait and see what this but, one but, but let's be fair as well. It's not you. You can look at it on Arteta as well, but there's as much on the people above Arteta. Oh, football club, and it's not even you know they're necessarily performing badly. It just feels like there's no sort of centre of experience in that core of Arsenal football club. This is you go really- above Arteta, and you've got Edu, who was in Brazil. <laughs> then you've got Vinay, who uh, was in. He hasn't been in that role before, and he moved in what's eight months ago now, twelve months ago, when Sanyale left. Um, Tim Lewis, who's a lawyer, you know, you're looking at people who don't understand either football or Arsenal Football Club. A lot of people that seem to be learning on the job. Yeah, there's a lot of people that seem to be as well, just not incapable but inexperienced, and that means that when Arteta turns around and says, you know, if 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 you know, we've heard Arsene Wenger's name being touted as a director of football. But, you know, when Solskjaer, when something goes wrong for Solskjaer, he can just go, oh, you know, Sir Alex Ferguson has a chat with him, whatever. When something goes wrong for Arteta, I feel like he's he's alone or a lot of the time. He can turn around to his backroom staff and maybe talk to Guardiola. But, you know, in terms of... He the would, no, you wouldn't, wouldn't talk to Guardiola because then Guardiola wouldn't want to help out a rival, would he? It depends, really, doesn't it, on the... Bring a rival. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that too. But, you, you know, you're looking at it and thinking, 
where does Arteta turn for like the bad the bad period of results where he's just scrambling? Mm. If an experienced figure came and said, you know, stick with what you've got, you can see why you're going wrong. You know, you've got to trust yourself. I think a lot of the time he hasn't backed himself for what he's trying to do. And we've seen a lot of that this season where he's just scrambling with team selections, putting Aubameyang through the middle, moving him to the left, dropping him all together. You know, all these things are just sort of, they don't breed any consistency. No, 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 I, I agree with you. It is, it is, it is an, a weird situation, but we're going to move on to a, a slightly more upbeat topic, um, <laughs> which is, which is quite nice of things. It's been quite a doom and gloomy week, but um, some of our loanies are doing very well. Um, Ainsley Maitland-Niles has been putting in some very good performances for West Brom, who have are more more than likely going to be going down, unfortunately. But um, they've had some good wins in the process since Maitland-Niles has come in. He's been getting that game time in centre midfield, which he's been crying out for. Um, and more noticeably, that's kind of made the headlines and what a lot more is um, Joe Willock, who who scored I believe three goals now for Newcastle, most recently against Liverpool, to snatch a point in the 95th minute. Jack, if you've got to, if, if if you're looking at those two players, how do you see their future at the Arsenal Football Club? Um, I th- I, I'm a big fan of Joe Willock, and obviously, I think he was very important for us in Europa League group stages. I think he often carried us through games at the start of the year. I think Willock has a future at Arsenal Football Club. Uh, oppositely with Maitland-Niles, I think he's maybe one to look to move on this mm-hmm. summer. Uh, he has good ability, which is obviously uh, there. We, we, we've all seen that in certain games, but I also think that he's just a liability a lot of the time as well. And I think what Arsenal need at the moment is players that are going to grab the game by the scruff of the neck and drag us through the tough times. Mm. Notably, uh, Most notably, that that is Kieran Tierney, obviously. Players of that sort of um, have that leadership, those leadership qualities, that same fight and desire and Saka too of how he's played on the pitch say again I'd say Saka too and the way that he's played yeah leading by example like like you said with Harry Kane if if Spurs didn't have Harry Kane if we hadn't had Bukayo Saka this season we'd be in the mud like even more than Spurs probably yeah Yeah. just just out of interest um, how highly do you value Joe Willock in Arsenal's future so I mean just to put it in more simple terms, if, if if Newcastle come in with, say, a £25 million offer and you can get rid of Willock for £25 million and Maitland Niles for £20 million or £15 million, you've got £40 million, and that gets you Martin Erdegaard, do you pull the trigger on that or do you say, I'd rather keep Willock at the club? If, if it gets us Martin Erdegaard, then I'd, I'd say yes. If it, if it contributes £40 million to a... I mean, obviously, it's, it's been reported this week that Erdegaard may come at an even, even higher price maybe like 60 million. I'm not sure on exact numbers, but if, if it meant we we got Erdegaard, then I'd definitely take that because I think, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I value Willock um, highly, but I don't also think that he's going to be a starter for Arsenal as well going forward. I think this is... Go on, what you said? I think I think I struggle to see where he's going to fit in the Arsenal side. Yeah. Unless we move to 4-3-3 and he plays as a central midfielder. But at the moment, he's not even playing. He's not even starting for Newcastle. He's doing brilliant off the bench. With that proposition you just said, I think if that offer came in of 25 for Willock and 15, 20 for Maitland-Niles, I don't think Arsenal would think twice. I think they'd they'd just be like, sort it out. Let's get the money in. Let's reinvest it into the squad because 
at the end of the day, like on the um, the previous episode we had with Eduardo, he said, you have to remember the academy isn't just for making first-team players. It's also for making players that you're going to be able to sell and you're going to be able to make profit for. And if these two sell, like sales went through at that kind of price, you'd have to say it's a massive success for story for everything that's gone on and the money we've recuperated for him, bearing in mind that some of our star players have gone for next to nothing, <clears throat> like in previous years, like, and some of our talent would just slip through hands. Like you look at the Serge Gnabry, he's like probably the big, the biggest example, went for like next to nothing and look at what he's worth now. He'd probably be worth like in the 80 millions or something like that. <clears throat> but yeah, um, we've... Yeah. Right, I think. Sorry, what was that, mate? Sorry, I was going to say, it's vital that we capitalise on their good form um, for other clubs as opposed to, like, um, you know, thinking that their good form might make them a good fit for Arsenal. Because we did see, you know, in January, we've seen, well, I mean, we've seen a lot of Willock, but in January, every Arsenal fan was saying, you know, he's not good enough to be playing for Arsenal. Um, and is is it would be interesting, I haven't looked at the sort of statistics, but whether he's actually made significant improvement at Newcastle or he's playing... Uh, a more tailored role to him in a side that is of a lower quality. Um, but yeah, that, that remains to be seen. I'd personally really love to see at the start of next season, uh, Reese Nelson uh, go out on loan. Like, I think he would, he, out of the three players, well, out of Willock and Maitland Niles, I would have loved to have seen Reese Nelson go out, I think, more than them, to be honest, because he, he is a very talented player with a lot of potential. And he's been touted as the next kind of big thing for Arsenal, like the hottest prospect in the academy for years upon years. So I think I'd love to see Nelson go out on loan. I don't think, I, if we sold him, I'd be disappointed, but I'd love to see him go out on loan, get some game time, hopefully in the Premier League this time as well, rather than the Bundesliga. Um, and yeah, and Eddie Nketiah is another one where I would, I would, if he'd gone out on loan with this batch, I would have liked to have seen him. But I just remain to be convinced by Eddie, unfortunately. Um, He's only got 12 months left as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's at this point now where you're like, we sell, him or we, we sell him or we renew and I can't see Arsenal renewing the contract, if I'm being completely honest. Um, just to kind of wrap the podcast up there, lads, um, we've, we have will do a full preview into the big game on Thursday night. We're playing Villarreal on the first leg of um, the UEFA Europa League semi-final. It is in the proper business end now. Um, just kind of to give you kind of your your thoughts and how you're feeling around that game facing Unai Emery again. What, what Jack? What kind of reaction and emotions are you feeling going into that one? Um, uh, I, I I don't really know with Arsenal anymore. Uh, for some reason <laughs> this season, this season I've had this weird faith in Arsenal that oh, this is going to be the game where we like we turn it on and we're going to change our season round. But like it just never. It, it does happen sometimes, but then it also just doesn't happen. Obviously, we've seen we've be, we've beat big teams this season, Chelsea, United. We've beaten beaten them, but then we also like draw to Fulham and lose to Everton, like I, like I said earlier. So um, it's, it's it's make or break. We all we all know that if if you well not make or break exactly because there's two legs, but if if we do uh, do have a bad first game, that's not going to bode well for the for the second leg. Ben, emotions, feelings, are you terrified? Yeah, yeah. Um, it could be a very bad evening. Probably, probably not as terrified as Mikel Arteta. Yeah, true. Right now. Um, but there is uh, the added pressure on Arsenal 
to almost prove that they made the right managerial choices. You know, that's that's an outside pressure regardless of the fixture um, because of the way it's pit, you know, set up Emery versus Arteta. And I think I said it on the last podcast as well. I am terrified when Arsenal play another version of themselves in that both teams are woefully inconsistent. Mm. And, you know, if if one team shows up and the other doesn't, to the degree that Arsenal haven't recently, it could be 4-0, you know, in the first leg. There could be a lot of goals no matter what. Yeah, well, exactly. If, Jack, if Granit Xhaka plays at left-back again, I'm terrified because... Who would you Sam- play there instead, though? Who would you play there instead? I'd move Saka back there, probably. Because I think I think that I think the argument I'm always I've always been inclined to use is that you've got a lot more cover in the attacking roles than you do in central midfield. The yeah. drop off from Xhaka to Ceballos is so so vast. But then you know if you were to move Nicolas Pepe back to the right and play Martinelli on the left, yeah, that's or, or you know if Erdegaard's fit again, you could put Smith Rowe on the left and then Martinelli through the middle or whatever. I yeah. think you've got enough quality in the attacking third without Bakayo Saka who's, who let's be honest at left back would overlap anyway mm. well it's just, that's, that's me anyway it's, it's going to be an interesting tie for sure we hope Arsenal will come away with uh, three points we'll do just just for the sake of it whilst we've got Jack on we'll, we'll do, we'll do a, a quick fire score predictions Jack what are you saying the score is going to be yeah, are, we, are we home or away we're, we're, we're uh, away no. first we're away first right um oh. I'll, I'll go with 1-1. One, 1-1. One. One, one. Yeah, I'll go with 1-1. One, one. Ben, quick fire prediction. 2-1 Arsenal. 2-1. I'm going to go 1-0 to, to the Arsenal. Um, I think Unai Emery, is, it's going to be weird seeing them, the two of them on the touchline next to each yeah. other. Um, It'll be horrible if we lose. Oh, don't, 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 that's it Ben, come on. You know, you, you should learn by now. Um, all right, so now cheers for listening guys. Um, cheers for joining us, uh, Jack and Ben. Um, so Arsenal play Villarreal in the um, the semi-finals of the Europa League, um, eight o'clock kickoff UK time in Villarreal. It's going to be a big one. Uh, let's hope for an Arsenal victory. Um, we will do a proper preview come the um, uh, but just before the game. Uh, feel free to tweet us at Arsenal Vavil One. Uh, make sure to check out our socials. We posted loads of content all over there about the protest, given lots of views. So make sure to check it out. Um, give it a cheeky little retweet and um, we will catch you in another episode soon find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk sports social podcast network